Hello and welcome back to the Hot Box. This is uh, Hot Box number 56, Piano in the Key of W. Yes, we're getting towards the end of our piano fails. What are we going to do then after that? Who knows? Even the most distant of jazz fans will have come across at least one great piano player in the file marked W. It's a big file uh, because most likely the letter W is a popular first letter for surnames in the Western world. More than it has some sort of mystic connection with the piano keyboard, I suspect. There are so many great players in this file. In fact, um, it's so many that I think we'll run to two episodes this time around. We shall have the added bonus that we can listen to longer tracks or maybe even a couple of tracks from uh, special pianists rather than having to pick short ones for the sake of timing. So on that basis um, that you're busy now trying to think of piano players whose names start with the letter W, I'll bet pretty much on the mark is this one, Mr. Waller. Pianist, organist, singer, comedian, Fats Waller, Thomas Waller, to call him by his proper name. He died a few months after I was born, although the two events probably weren't connected. His importance in the history of jazz really cannot be overstated, although sometimes his clowning uh, seemed to have the effect of obscuring his incredible facility as a piano player and organist. He also contributed a few masterpieces to the genre. None, I think, more splendid than this one.
recognisable, recorded by its composer Fats Waller in the year 1929 in New York City. Uh, He was something of a child prodigy, in fact. Uh, He began working professionally at the age of just 15. In those days, there was uh, good lucrative work in cinemas for improvisational players, putting, as it were, live soundtracks for the silent movies, especially on the organ, which was actually his first instrument. We'll certainly uh, revisit Fats Waller later in this show, not least because I have been trying to find out if he ever played in Ireland, which I believe he did when travelling with one of those big American reviews in the 1930s, but I've been unable to get confirmation of that. If you have any information, contact us. Right now, though, we'll jump up to date, well, almost, uh, to much closer to home, a pianist who has been part of the Irish jazz scene for quite a few years and whose reputation extends well beyond these shores, Phil Ware. He's here with uh, Kevin Brady and Dave Redmond, bass and drums, and this is his own composition. It's called Hepatitis. Thank you. 
the Phil Ware trio with uh, Hepatitis. That's from back in the year 2007. Phil is actually like me. He's not Irish-born, but by choice, and he has earned a formidable reputation over the years, both as a player and, indeed, as an arranger. Uh, It's nice to have an Irish pianist in this uh, series. As regular listeners will know, we've been beating the bushes to find recordings by Irish musicians, but, of course... We have a relatively small scene and recordings cost a lot of money to do them properly. Not that it's strictly comparable, but I was reading recently that Maria Schneider's new album, which is due out any minute now, is costing over a quarter of a million dollars.
Isn't that just a great piece of recorded music? Pretty much perfect in every respect. It was uh, by absolutely one of my favourite pianists of all time, Cedar Walton, uh, playing there with a trio of superstars. Ron Carter was the bass player and Lewis Nash um, on the drums, augmented by the tenor sax, marvellous tenor saxophone playing by Joshua Redman, and then a six-person horn section uh, giving those nice little choruses. Um, Bolivia was the name of the composition, a great example of Cedar Walton's playing and composition, and indeed probably his best-known composition of all. He was a native of Dallas, Texas, brought up in a family that loved jazz, so Cedar listened to jazz from a very early age and eventually uh, studied music at college, some of it uh, in New Orleans, and then uh, went on playing with local bands, and as one does in those situations, um, found himself playing occasionally with famous people who were touring through the city. Uh, and eventually he took the plunge and headed for the Big Apple in 1955. His first big regular job uh, was with the trombonist J.J. Johnson's band. He replaced Tommy Flanagan in that band, in fact. Uh, he stayed there for two years, um, but it's really his high-profile position uh, with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers in the 1960s that he kind of came to public prominence. He went on from there to be a solid, in-demand uh, musician and arranger, including uh, working with a lot of singers. One of them was Abby Lincoln, I think. Well, it seems quite a neat jump to go from Cedar Walton to James Williams. Uh, Cedar, by the way, died back in 2013, uh, but James Williams, uh, a lower-profile musician but a very influential one and a particular friend of Irish jazz musicians, he died very unexpectedly at the young age of 53 back in 2004. <laughs> Thank you. 
To the Minute uh, Blue is the title of that one from James Williams. Uh, it was his own composition and he had Billy Pierce there on the tenor and a rhythm section of Ray Drummond on the bass and two drummers actually, Billy Higgins and Tony Reedus. A 1994 recording that was. I'm not sure that the two drum thing worked for me but I really like the composition and I love Williams' playing. I suspect his profile was less than prominent than many of his contemporaries have equal or and possibly lesser stature because he was for many years a very dedicated and busy jazz educator at Berklee College of Music amongst other establishments, the William Patterson University being another one. And I noticed uh, from my uh, inbox that Rufus Reed, uh, William succeeded Rufus Reed in the in the chair at uh, at uh, William Patterson University. Rufus Reed is returning this year to the Sligo Jazz Project, which is terrific news for everybody.
Yeah, believe it or not, that was running wild. Uh, not running very wild, was it? Uh, that was Dick Wellstood, uh, one of the all-time greats. Um, I got the feeling that he was playing in Hanratty's pub there to a very small audience, possibly six o'clock in the evening and waiting for the punters to arrive. Uh, he was as I said, an all-time great, sometime accompanist of Sidney Bechet and Wild Bill Davidson and Coleman Hawkins, among others, not to mention, later on, Bob Dylan. Um, he was really a great boogie-woogie pianist and a stride pianist. Uh, he wasn't very long-lived, alas. He only made it to 59. But then again, the jazz lifestyle in the middle of the last century wasn't really conducive to a long life, was it? Now, George Wallington, he did a bit better. He was born in 1924 and he died in 1993. He's... Um, Largely unknown, uh, one of the great pioneers of bebop jazz, Dizzy Gillespie, said that his contribution to the development of bebop was peerless, and the critic Leonard Feather ranked him alongside Dizzy and Charlie Parker as one of the founding fathers of the new jazz style. So we'll take two pieces from George Wallington back to back. Oh, and I should have said uh, to start with that he was in fact Italian. He was born in Palermo in Sicily and his real name was Giacinto Filia. He changed his name somewhere along the way.
couple of really nice pieces there. First uh, from a trio led by George Warrington and recorded in 1954 in Paris. So... uh, it was a French rhythm section. Pierre Michel was the bass player and Jean-Louis Vial on the drums. The pieces were A Day in Paris for first, which he wrote, the trio piece, and that was followed by Just One of Those Things Played Solo, which he certainly didn't write. Cole Porter did. Um, well, let's have a bit of contrast now and go to Mal Waldron. He performed in Dublin in the 1960s at the late lamented Fox Inn in Ashburn County Meath. Uh, he was based in Europe uh, for most of the latter part of his life, although he was, of course, American from New York in fact. Uh, I mentioned earlier the lifestyle which was part and parcel of being a jazz musician in the mid and late 20th century and Waldron was one of its most conspicuous casualties suffering a terrible drug overdose in 1963 which left him unable to play uh, and it even made him incapable of remembering any music but he eventually uh, regained his skills and if anything I think he was better than ever when he left the US permanently and settled in Europe. I think it was Belgium was his final choice. Um, in his early career, he'd been much in demand as an accompanist and was, in fact, Billie Holiday's last accompanist until her death. Well, his most famous composition uh, was Soul Eyes, which he wrote for John Coltrane. And we're going to hear that now, a later version of it by the composer himself and the much underrated or under-famous, perhaps I should say, Gene Lee. Uh, as the singer on it. List of participants I'll give you after it finishes. That's in about seven minutes' time. Ah, so I'm told can be both Is one to know just which way to go? The
I know That's how I found you Ooh, yeah
als how I found you. Soul Eyes there. Uh, Steve Coleman is the alto player, uh, Andrew Surreal on the drums, Reggie Workman the bass player, and the wonderful Gene Lee the singer, with, of course, the composer Mal Waldron at the piano. Would we like to hear a bit more from that great 1997 album, which in fact was called Soul Eyes? Yes, I think we would. Hands up if you saw Maldron when he played the Fox in way back in the 1960s. I can assure you it was a very special week. And this is called Dee's Dilemma.
Well, Waldron there, giving you, I think, some idea of how his musical mind worked, playing solo with a smattering of those harmonies that he was famous for. A fine master pianist, I think. Well, maybe we'll play out with that Fats Waller piece that I promised. Uh, There are more pianists filed under W, of course, and uh, they're still in the file, and we'll open that file in about four weeks' time. But in the meantime, hang around for Hotbox 57, which will be along in a couple of weeks, and enjoy Thomas Fats Waller. If you have been, thanks for listening. I'll go smiling through That's if I have you I am the happiest of troubadours Thinking of you, baby, while I'm massaging those floors At my leisure time I made up this rhyme I will be the oil mark If you be the oil Then we both could mingle Every time we toil, I will be the washboard, if you be the dove. Think of all the Mondays, we can rub a dove. I will be your shoe brush, if you be my shoe. Then I'll keep you bright, dear. Feeling good as new If you be my razor I will be your blade That's a potter's love song To a chambermaid One more could you wait?